Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Hey, church, will you help me thank Chris and the team for leading us this morning in worship? Thank you, Chris. Hey, so we've officially done it. Chris has officially rolled in as our new worship pastor. Super excited to have him and his family here. John Ecker is now serving as our executive pastor. He's been doing an amazing job. You'll still see John doing different things on stage, preaching every now and then, leading worship every now and then. But it's been an awesome transition so far, and I've, I've really enjoyed it. This is an amazing week. We got to celebrate salvations this week. So many people coming to Christ. So excited about that. We got to celebrate some baptisms this morning. Let's give it up one more time for our baptisms. So cool. And continuing to see the fruit of Summer Bible Adventure. That's, it's crazy what can happen in one week on this campus, the, the ripple effect. My daughter actually wants to get baptized now. She hasn't been baptized yet, so I'm going to be baptizing her probably next month. So I cannot wait. I'm a little nervous, though, because I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to fill that thing up with tears. And I'm, that's going to be embarrassing. But it's going to be worth it because I cannot wait to see Blake get baptized. Welcome to South Valley. My name is Ricky Hemme. Uh, we are in Summer of Psalms. Today is Psalm Chapter 8, on your way in, you should have received a little piece of paper. On that paper, it has the passage, has some notes for today. And so my, my encouragement is this. When we study Scripture together, pull out either your Bible or an app or that paper. Interact with the passage. Circle things, mark things, underline things. Get to know the passage. Become familiar with it. That's my goal with having that paper in your hand. Psalm chapter 8 is where we're at. In Psalm 8 just so you know, is called a hymn of praise. Psalm 8 is a hymn of praise celebrating humanity's privileged place in God's created order. Psalm 8 is a, it's a sobering reflection on just how small human beings really are in this vast universe. Now, a couple weeks ago, NASA released some amazing images. You guys probably saw them online. Let me show, them one, show you one right here. So here's one image. Now, so this is an amazing, this, this took, you know, crazy amount of money to get this picture. And some of you are like, this just looks like my countertop in my kitchen. Uh, but this is, actually, this is actually a cluster of galaxies. Now, now before this, I, I preach this sermon, I want to tell you, I tried to get one of my NASA friends to help me explain some of this. So I have some friends at NASA. I used to live in Palmdale. There's a NASA site out there. And I reached out to them like, hey, I'm going to talk about these images, but this stuff's way over my head. Will you come out and talk and, and explain this stuff to us? And he's like, dude, this is over my head too. Good luck. I'm like, great, thanks. So this is the best I can do. I'm going to try to explain what we have here. This is a cluster of galaxies. Okay, this is galaxy cluster uh, SMACS0723. A cluster of galaxies. So there's galaxies right here, and then there's galaxies in front of this cluster, and there are galaxies behind this cluster. And what this, this telescope, the James Webb Telescope, was created to do was to capture uh, the dust. It, it picks up dust. And so dust is an important uh, part of star formation. And so these blue galaxies, you see the bluer ones, those are galaxies that are primarily made up of stars right now. You see some of these red galaxies, those are more dusty galaxies, maybe galaxies that are on their way out. 
the greener galaxies are uh, made up of other uh, chemical compounds. And so the, the, what this telescope did is it, it gave us a small picture the size of a grain of sand. So if you took a grain of sand, you lift it up, and then you looked out into the universe, that is the small, that is, that's the little tiny slice of the universe that we're looking at here in this picture. And what's crazy about the universe is that it's constantly expanding. It's constantly expanding. Now, if you had trillions of years to explore the universe, trillions of years to explore the universe at the speed of light, 186,000 miles a second, which, which Einstein calls the speed limit of the universe. Okay, nothing can travel faster than the speed of light. If you could travel at the speed of light for trillions of years, you still wouldn't reach the end of the known universe. The universe is so big, we are so small, that if we had trillions of years, we would still never get to the end of it. Now, although this is mind-blowing, seeing all these galaxies in this little slice of the known universe, what's even crazier is that high above this vast expanse called space exists a perfect, eternal, all-powerful, benevolent, triune God who formed the universe and everything out in it out of nothing. Did you know that? The Bible starts off, in the beginning, what? God. Everything that we know and see, everything that we can observe and can't observe because our instruments won't go that far, was created by a benevolent, all-powerful, all-knowing, sovereign God. Now, the observable universe contains about 200 billion galaxies. At least that's as far as we can, we can guess and estimate and, and see with our little instruments. And of, of all these galaxies, these are all galaxies here, but of all those, these different galaxies, 200 billion of them or so that exist, there's this one famous galaxy. Well, you guys know what galaxy this is? The Milky Way galaxy. Okay, this is the galaxy that you and I exist in. And within this Milky Way galaxy exists about 3,200 solar, system, solar systems, okay? There's a star with planets orbiting around that star. There's about 3,200 of them in the Milky Way galaxy. One of those solar systems is us, okay? So you, you look, where's the sun at in the, in the Milky Way galaxy? Here's the sun right here. That's, a, that's the sun. Our, our little star called the sun that we call the sun. You can't even see it in this picture because it's so tiny, and orbiting around this little dot that you can't even see in this massive galaxy, which is one galaxy of hundreds of billions of galaxies, orbiting around that little sun, that insignificant little star that we have named the sun, exist eight tiny little planets, one of which is planet Earth. And planet Earth is such a tiny little planet that you could fit 1.3 planet Earths into the sun. And the sun is swallowed up by our Milky Way galaxy, and the Milky Way galaxy is swallowed up by hundreds of billions of galaxies, and hundreds of billions of galaxies is swallowed up by God. And on this tiny little blue speck in the universe called Earth exists eight billion tiny little people called humans, of which you and I are, are, are one of them. Is your mind blown, or is this just me? We are so small. We're so small. Psalm 8 is a reflection on how small human beings really 
are, yet how loved human beings actually are. We are specks in the universe, but we are also the apple of God's eye. God has given us a special calling, a special purpose, a special privilege as his image bearers. He, he, he loves us and pursues us, but we are just specks. Psalm 8 is a hymn of praise celebrating humanity's privileged place in God's created order among all the galaxies, all the planets, all the stars, among all the creatures of the land and the sea, both visible and invisible. Nothing is loved by God as much as he loves us. Why is that? Well, the short answer is because you've been created with a special purpose that the universe doesn't have. You've been created with the purpose of bearing God's image and reflecting his glory to the world. Psalm 8, my sermon title, is the Astronomer's Song. The Astronomer's Song. So go ahead and turn your Bibles now, Psalm 8. We're going to dive in. I hope this is mind-blowing to you because it's mind-blowing to me. So let's go into Psalm 8. Let's pray and jump in. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for making us specks in the universe. Yet you love us. You're high above us in every way, transcendent. Yet you are imminent and intimately involved in our daily lives. You care about the big things in our lives. You care about the small things in our lives. You know the number of hairs on our head. You know that our beginning from our end. You made us and you made the sun and the stars and the sky so that when we look up, we get to just see how big you are. You made all of that for us to behold. You are magnificent and glorious and above all. And I just pray, God, that we would not leave this place without giving you the worship that you are due, that we would bow our hearts and our lives to you. We love you and praise you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Psalm chapter 8, this is what it says. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you've established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him? That's the question this morning. Your, your glory is above the heavens, yet you think about us. You made this vast universe that we could never explore if we had all the time in the world, yet you think about us. What's man that you're mindful of him? And the son of man, the, our children and, and small creatures on this earth, that you care for them. Yet you've made him a little lower than the Heavenly beings, the Elohim we read in Hebrew. Elohim could be translated angels, heavenly beings, or God. Okay, so you've made us just a little lower than yourself and crowned us with glory and honor. You've given mankind dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is our cool little psalm. I'm so excited that we get to explore it this morning. So if you remember Marcus's message when we launched this sermon series, Marcus talked about the fact that there were uh, different kinds of psalms, categories of psalms. Okay, there, there are psalms of thanksgiving, psalms of lament, 
psalms of wisdom, royal psalms, imprecatory psalms, which are strange ones where you're calling out against your enemies. And there are psalms of praise. Psalm chapter 8 is a psalm of praise. Derek Kidner says this about this psalm. This is, this is the, the, the chief example of a praise psalm. He says, this psalm is an unsurpassed example of what a hymn should be, celebrating as it does the glory and grace of God, rehearsing who he is and what he has done, and relating us and our world to him, and with a mastery economy of words and in a spirit of mingled joy and awe. That's Psalm 8. That's our psalm today. Psalm 8 is a psalm of praise. And what I want to do today is I want to give you guys three reasons to praise God this morning. Now, now maybe you're going through something and you're like, man, it's been hard for me to praise God. I want to, I want to reorient your life, reorient your gaze to, to direct your focus back on God. The world does not revolve around us, just a heads up. It doesn't revolve around us. We were created by a benevolent, all-powerful God, and we actually exist for him. And when we worship him and put him in his rightful place, we are actually the happiest we could ever be. We find no greater joy than when we worship God. So I want to reorient your gaze today. I want to give you three reasons this morning to praise God. And reason number one is this. God is above all. Did you know that? God is above all. He says, thank you, amen. That's good. I like that. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. When we think about this universe and all that exists, God is higher than all of it. Now, the most striking feature of Psalm 8 is is its description of man's place in the created order. God cares for us, loves us. That's what stands out about Psalm 8, like, wow, God cares about us. But the psalm does not begin by talking about man. It begins with a celebration of the surpassing majesty of God. God is above all. The Lord, the God of Israel, is the one true God of heaven and earth, and his name and his name alone is the name that is meant to be exalted in in all of creation. It is the name of Yahweh. God is above all. He's above the animals. He's above people. He's above heavenly beings. He's above the earth and stars. He's above every galaxy in the entire universe. Our God that we worship here at South Valley, who made us and loves us, he reigns above all. Can I get an amen? He's above all. So David's first response to the majesty and supremacy of God, recognizing that God is high and lifted up, his first response is worship. It's worship. He begins the psalm with worship. How majestic is your name? Now, worship is one of those Bible land words. Okay, there are certain words that we use at church that we don't really use anywhere else, and so sometimes we forget what they mean. Worship is one of those words we use a lot, but we don't always explain it. It, it, it comes from the English words worthship. Okay, so worship is about ascribing value and worth to something. So when we talk about worship here, we're talking about treasuring God above all things, exalting him as the highest value and worth in your 
life, worship. Now, right worship, good worship, pleasing worship depends on a right mental grasp of the way God really is. In order to worship God rightly, we need to understand him rightly. And the first thing we see about him to to grasp him is that he is high and lifted up. He is above all. The first responsibility of everything in all of creation is to worship God. Westminster Confession of Faith, this is a famous statement, you probably read it before, says it this way, what's the chief end of man? Man's chief end, what's the purpose of man? Man's purpose, chief end, is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's our purpose. If you've ever wondered, why am I here? Why do I exist? Why am I living on this little blue planet, a speck in the universe? Why did God put breath in my lungs? What is, what is the reason for my existence? Well, the answer to that question is that you were created to worship God. You are first and foremost a worshiper. You're a worshiper first. Did you know that? You're a worshiper. And your calling as a worshiper comes before every other calling in your life. You're a worshiper before you're a parent. You're a worshiper first, and then you're a farmer. You're a worshiper first, and then you're an athlete. You're a worshiper first, and then you're a teacher. You're a worshiper first, and then you're a soldier. You're a worshiper first, and then you're a gamer on Call of Duty. Well, I don't know what your thing is, what you like. But you're a worshiper first. You are first and foremost a worshiper. When people see you, who do they believe you worship? What, what do you revolve your life around? Is your life revolved around the God who made you and love you and put you on this planet for a purpose? Or have you created a world that you're trying to create a world that revolves around you, a world that worships you? You are first and foremost a worshiper of God. And although worship is a lifestyle, something that that we do every single day, okay, we, we worship by the way we love people. We worship by the way we raise our kids. We worship by working hard unto the Lord. Although it's meant to be a lifestyle, learning what I want you to see today, learning to worship here, God here in this place, in this house, will help you worship God out there when you leave this house. And if you can't express your love for Jesus here in this place, you're going to struggle expressing your love for Jesus once you leave those doors. South Valley is a safe place for you to learn to worship. This means that if you actually decided to lift up your hands and sing in a song, and you've never done that before, and you're like, oh my gosh, that sounds so scary. If you lifted up your hands, you wanted to be more expressive in how you worship God. If you lifted up your hands and praised him, no one's going to laugh at you. If you actually felt like, you know what, God, I need to understand how big you are and small I am, and I need to get better at expressing that here so that I could get better at expressing that out there, that means I, sometimes I'm actually going to get on my knees and, and, and bow down before you as a, as a symbol of worship. If you were to bow down to, in front of the presence of Jesus in this place, nobody here would think you were weird. If you were to sing loud, with a terrible voice. No one would tell you to be quiet. You know why? Because I do it every Sunday. Every Sunday I do that. Learn to worship God here, and then you'll be able to worship God better out there. 
You are first and foremost a worshiper. Now, some people might be asking, so why does God deserve all the worship? Why does he get it all? What makes him so special? Well, look at what this passage starts with. O Lord, our Lord. That's the beginning of the passage. What do, you know, do you guys notice a difference between these two words, Lord and Lord? Do you guys see the difference there? Yeah, the first Lord is, is capitalized letters, and the second Lord is lowercase letters. Now, if you know anything about the Hebrew Bible, and you might want to circle this in your, in your little notes. If you're taking notes today or you're interacting with the passage, this is a good one to circle. If you know anything about the Hebrew Bible, uh, anytime you see the all caps Lord in your Bible, it's because the Hebrews didn't ever want to take God's name in vain. God's name, Yahweh. They, every time they would see Yahweh in the scriptures, they would replace the word Yahweh with Adonai or Lord. And so Lord, that first Lord, every time you see all caps Lord in your Bible, it's, it's God's proper name, Yahweh. Yahweh is the personal name of God and his most frequent designation in scripture, Lord. But the other word that you see there for Lord is the, the Hebrew word Adonai. Adonai is one who is the supernatural master over, over all, a title of the true God. So when you start this passage, it says, Oh Yahweh, Yahweh is his name, Lord is his title. He's the covenant-making, covenant-keeping, all-knowing, all-powerful, great I am. There was no one else like Yahweh. He, he, he is eternal creator God. He is Yahweh. You worship, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you worship Yahweh. Can I get an amen? You worship Yahweh. He, he's worthy of your praise because he alone deserves praise. He made all He's, he's all-powerful. There is no one else like him on all the, in all the earth, in all of creation. He is Yahweh. But he's not just Yahweh. He's also your master. That's your Lord. He's master, king, judge, lawmaker. He is God, and he is your Lord. He isn't just, and he isn't just a Lord. Okay? He isn't just my Lord or Lord of South Valley. He is Lord of all. Because what does the passage say at the beginning? Oh, God, what? Our God. He, he's Lord of everybody. And so the big idea is that God deserves our worship and allegiance, and he alone deserves all of our worship and allegiance because he is supreme above all. There's no, nothing more glorious in all of creation than God. All honor and glory belongs to him. He's sovereign over creation. He holds the world in his hands. His ways are higher than ours. His, the, the heavens are his throne. The earth is his footstool. You worship a big and mighty God. Can I get an amen? We worship a big God. Why is this important? I was hoping for a bigger amen right there. Just going to say and here's why. When God is big, problems are small. When God is big, the pressure of the world, small. When God is big, your challenges become small. You see, you need a right view of the God that you serve. You don't worship a tiny little God that can be demonstrated on a tiny little idol that can resides in a tiny little house. You worship a magnificent, mighty, amazing God. Praise him because he's above all. And number two, praise him because he made all. 
He made all. Listen to what it says. It says, Out of the mouth of babies and infants you've established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him? You're so big. You made it all. Why do you think about us and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you've made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. Now, have you guys ever taken time to look at the stars on a clear night? You guys ever take the time to do that? Maybe when you're out camping, doing something fun with your family. Now, a few years ago, I, I mentioned this before, but I hiked Mount Whitney with some friends. And we, we wanted to do the hike in one day. So we started hiking at midnight. So we start going up at midnight. And a few hours into the hike, we stop on this icy ridge. We pull out some snacks and some water. And, and we just look up at the stars. There's no light polluting the skies. I could not believe how many stars were in the sky. We just laid back there, drank some water, ate some snacks, and just took in the scenery. We were about 12,000 feet in elevation. It was the coolest, most magnificent picture I've ever seen in my life of the stars. And as we laid there, me and my friends, looking at the sky, we could have done it all night long, as we looked at the sky, not one of us responded by saying, Oh man, human beings are so big. None of us. Every single one of us, over and over again, on repeat. Man, we're so small. Man, this is so magnificent. Look at how little we are on this tiny little, like we are on the, one of the biggest mountains in the in, in, uh, continental U.S. And we are just so, everything about that mountain just makes us feel so small. Yet we are still so loved. God is so big and so glorious, and so far above us, but he also loves us. You see, every time you see something majestic in life, you guys ever been to Yosemite before? You've seen Half Dome? You ever been out on the ocean before? When you see something majestic, it's supposed to make you realize, like, oh my goodness, God is so big. But after you think that thought of just how high he is and how big he is, the next thing that should come to your mind is how loved you are. Because of all the creation, of all the things that exist in this universe, you are the apple of God's eye. You are the crowning achievement of creation because you've been created to reflect him to the world. You are his image bearer. Even though you are just a speck, you are so loved that God sent his own son to die on a cross for your sins so that you could know him personally and have a relationship with him. Can I get an amen? amen. That was a little bit better. Good job. Yes, yes. Listen, these are, these are big deals that we're talking about here. Yesterday, I was, I was hanging out with my kids in the backyard. Um, it was, uh, you know, 200 degrees outside, so we were playing in the back with some water. And the kids are always, every time we're playing outside, they always bring their chalk out and they're drawing. So they're drawing on the, on the concrete in the back. And uh, here's my drawing um, right here. This is, this is me uh, with a Bible in my hand. That's the best I could do. That's my stick figure. Now, um, now I, I know, I, just as I can't sing, I also can't draw. Um, but I love drawing with my kids and, and coloring with my kids. 
And this makes me happy to see them right. This is my drawing. Let's look at God's drawing really quick. This is God's drawing. This is God's handiwork. We see his handiwork everywhere. We see it in the universe. We see it even within people. When a child is born into this world and we hold that child for the first time, we see the miracle of life in front of us. That's God's handiwork. When you study the human body, when you study the mind, when you study the, an eyeball, when you study uh, the, the central nervous system, whatever, when you're just looking at human beings, God knows us and loves us. He knows, I mean, it's just it's mind-blowing that he knows every bit of us. He knows the number of hairs on our head. And for some people, that's easier than, than for others. But he knows. He knows. You're beginning from your end. He's high and lifted up, but he's also imminent. And, and what's so crazy about this passage is that after this magnificent description of God, David then mentions something quite ironic about God. Do you know who God enjoys revealing his power through? The weak. It says, out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established your strength. The majestic God of all the universe delights in the praise of the humble. It's, it's the humble that recognize their place in God's created order, and God delights in their praise when we rightly understand who he is and who we are, and we praise out of that place of humility. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, and no one recognizes that we're small better than children, right? When we're children, we know that we're small, but when we become adults, for some reason we think that we're big, when we're children, we know that we're tiny. When we're adults, some, for something happens where the, the, the script gets flipped and we start to think that we have it figured out and we have the answers and things begin to revolve around us. But God delights in making his glory known through the least of these. That means that children matter to God. Babies matter to God. Infants matter to God. The small matter to God. And God has established his praise through him. God delights in the praise of the humble. And we see this at the triumphal entry. When Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey, children were shouting out Hosanna. And, and Jesus said, hey, this fulfills Psalm 8. And the religious leaders were criticizing Jesus because of their pride. And they thought the world revolved around them. When in reality, the world revolves around Jesus Christ. We've been created to praise. And praise comes from a place of humility. And as a daddy... Nothing makes me happier than seeing my kids praise Jesus. Nothing. At nighttime, I often turn on uh, Alexa in my daughter's room, uh, and I sing worship songs with her. Almost every night, we sing worship songs with Alexa, because like I said, I, I'm, my voice is not very good. It drowns it out. Her voice is awesome. We sing songs of praise before we go to bed. I pray over her and, and John before we go to bed. Why? Because nothing makes me happier than seeing my children recognize God's love for them, God's love for them and their place in God's created order. Nothing is better, to my, more music to my ears than the praises of my children. Well, nothing's better in God's ears than the praises of his people. You have been created to worship. My children, your children, all children have a privileged status in God's created order. God's conferred on us all 
the, the royal authority and responsibility of governing earthly life. We are his representatives. We praise him because he is high, and we praise him because he is here. He is high above in every way. He is also here with us in every way. And that's the lesson that I want my kids to know. And when they sing these songs, they, they lift him up and they feel him here. That's what happens with worship. Which leads to the final reason to praise God this morning. Praise God because he loves all. He loves his entire creation. It says, O Lord, it concludes this way, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. It concludes in the same way that it begins. It begins with God, it ends with God, and it places human beings right in the middle of the psalm. And I think that this is done on purpose because although Psalm 8 is a celebration of our privileged status in the universe, Psalm 8 is also a warning. And this is the warning. You're important. You matter. You matter from the womb. You matter the moment you come to this earth. You matter even when you're small. The small matter, the neglected matter, everybody matters to God. You matter. But... You are never above God. That's the message of the psalm. It's it's a recognition of where we are in the created order. We we matter to God, but we are never above God. We, We don't make the rules. God makes the rules. The world doesn't revolve around us. It revolves around him. We are not the main character in the story. Jesus is. If, if our lives were a movie, and you were to look at the title screen at the end of the movie and, and find your name in that title screen, okay, you're, it wouldn't be the main character there. It'd be one of those names that nobody reads because they leave before the movie's over. Now, some of us are like, oh man, but I thought life was all about me. No, it's not all about you. And that's a good thing because you can't handle being the center of the world. You're not God. You're not all powerful. You don't have all wisdom. You don't have all authority. You, you, you cannot handle worship. You weren't created for worship. You were created to worship. And, and you're never happier in this life than when you worship God. You're never happier in this life than when you recognize your place in existence. You've been made to know God, to praise God, to represent him in this world. Yes, you're small, but you are also deeply loved. God cares about you. God knows you. He's given you a special purpose on this planet. He wants to mediate his presence and power through you. But that comes from a place of humility. Now, in my opinion, the most interesting aspect of Psalm 8 is the way in which it places man in what's been called a mediating position in the universe. Thomas Aquinas, he talks about this, saying that Psalm 8 places man midway between the angels, which are above him, and the beasts, which are below him. And so here's the takeaway. You are a little lower than God, Elohim, and a little higher than everything else. That's your role in the universe. A little lower than God and a little higher than everything else. As a human being, this is, this is the takeaway here. This is the takeaway. As a human being, you have two options in life. You can either look up or you can look down. So you can look up to God and become more like him, increasingly like Jesus Christ because of what he's done on your behalf, on the cross, giving you the Holy Spirit, becoming what you could never be on your own, achieving what God, 
going from glory to glory when you come to Jesus Christ. You can look up and become like God, or you can look down and become like the beasts of the field. It's up to you. You could become more God-like, or you could become more animal-like. And an example of this is Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, when he exalted himself above God, what did God do to Nebuchadnezzar? You guys remember? He turned him into a beast of the field. He ate the grass of the ground. And so if you look around at culture and you wonder at times, like, what is happening with humanity? I don't feel like we're evolving in the right direction. I feel like we're, like, going in a bad direction. That's because what happens when you take God out of the picture, you don't become greater, you become worse. When you remove God from the scenario, when you take God out of the frame, when you make the story about humans, you actually become less human, not more human. You become more like a beast than like God. And so you have a choice today. Am I going to worship God and look up to him and become more like him? Or am I going to look down at the earth and look around to those around me? And am I going to get my answers from everybody else? Am I the center of the the world or is God the center of the world? My hope for you today is that you would be a worshiper. A worshiper of Yahweh. So in conclusion, three, three ways to apply today. Number one, prioritize worship in your life. I came across this stat, just a reminder for me. My kid does, my daughter does dance, my son does jujitsu, he does cycling, they're into sports, all this stuff. But what I realized, there's a 0.0075% chance that a child will become a professional athlete. Did you know that? But there's a 100% chance that our children will stand before God. And so if we don't prioritize worship, our kids won't prioritize worship. Sometimes the worship we prioritize is the soccer field, not God. Sometimes the worship we prioritize is is something else. It could be a good thing, but it's not God. Prioritize worship in your life. Your kids are watching. Number two, find your spiritual gifts and use them. Okay, you've been created to minister on God's behalf, to impact this world, reflect God in everything that you do. What did he put you on this planet for? You have special gifts and abilities. He wants to use them. Don't waste your life. Don't waste it by thinking it all is all about you. Spend it focused on the things that matter, on the things that will last. And finally, number three, generously leverage what you have for ministry. Whatever you have, God gave it to you so that you can reflect his glory. You use your dinner table for ministry, your car, your finances, your job, your friendships, your health, whatever you have. You got one shot at this life one shot and one day you're going to stand before the God who made you and loves you and put you here for a purpose and you'll give an account so live unto the name of God whatever you do whether you eat or drink do all for the glory of God that is your purpose South Valley that is my purpose and that is my hope for this psalm that we would fulfill God's calling on our lives will you guys pray with me Father God I thank you so much for this chance to open your word I pray right now as we celebrate communion that you would just help us to see how big and mighty you are, that we'd surrender our lives to you and put you in the proper place. In Jesus' name.